God's grace, his mercy, his peace are yours through our Lord and our Savior, who is our good shepherd, Jesus. Amen. Jesus has been spending some time with his disciples then, with you and, and me today, and he's going through this book of Luke as Luke is recording these things through the gift of the Holy Spirit, preserving these things for us, and some of the key topics as he talks about the life of the Christian. I'm just going to go down the list on the back page of your service folder that you can expect persecution. Don't hide from it. Don't hide your faith. That uh, he, he's a call for total commitment to, to make sure that, that Jesus is, we're totally committed to him and his kingdom, and to support that work. And then it talks about loving your neighbor and defining who our neighbor is. It's more than just the person that lives next door. And listen when God speaks. When God speaks, our ears are open. And then it talks about praying boldly, knowing that God gives us access to him and he answers our prayers. And then he says, keep focused on the proper place for possessions, right? Don't let possessions possess you. And, and today he gets into treasures. And we're going to talk about that under the theme, fearless and focused, and I think it's important that I'm going to add one more thing to the list of fears. We live life full of fears. You'd think that, that seasoned Christians like you and myself that have lived a little bit, and then we try to raise our kids to, to have this confidence too, we wouldn't be so plagued by fears. But even, even I saw this morning as the kids came forward, what was the biggest fear? That they would be the only one walking up. So you have to look around to make sure someone else is going up. You don't want to sit up there by yourself. There's a fear, right? I'd be up there by myself. Or then pastor starts asking questions. The biggest fear is I have to answer a question in front of the congregation. That's scary stuff. But those are little things. You know, scared of the dark. And, and those are big things at the, at the age. But how about the big fears that we have? I mean, we have them all around us. Let's just talk about politics for a second. There is a real fear that's generated saying, if we don't go this direction, then we're going to fail. And if we don't have this person in power, then everything's going to fall apart. And they play on fears. And, and just watch this as we get closer to big elections, how much fear is involved in this. Let's just talk about world events. It's the fear of retaliation or the fear of terrorism that keeps us motivated to put billions of dollars into protections and other things to make sure that we're safe. But let's take that even personally, the fears that just plague us. Advertisers love this. The fear of our own personal safety, right? Think of how much advertising goes on. You hear it all the time. Now we have this one that runs by Wi-Fi, and you're going to be much safer if you do this. Because And then there's also the identity theft. Oh, my goodness, LifeLock will save you from identity theft. And if you do this and this, they can process these people and make sure that you can keep your identity. There's this fear of losing even our identities. And personal safety is a big issue. And we learned it so much living down where we did in Atlanta that we're always locking cars, always locking doors. That I mean, it's happened before where I walk out to get the mail, my wife doesn't know it, walks by the door, sees it unlocked. She clicks me and locks me out of the house because there's that moment that, whoop, the door isn't locked. And so we live in fear of protection. And every bad event that happens all around the nation becomes a news blurb right into our home. And there's other fears that get deeper too. Those are things around us, but the fear of what am I going to do in life? Am I going to be successful? Am I going to find the right one that I can say I do to? Is that person going to be faithful to me? Do I have the capacity to be faithful to them? I see around me the fear of how many relationships implode. There's real worry. Am I going to be successful and, and enjoy what I do? Am I going to have uh, the means to carry on the life I want to live? Am I, am I going to be alone? Is God going to come and take the one I love and committed to away from me? I'm fearful of these things. 
And then comes the end when we're fearful of the, the big D word, death, right? And what's going to happen then? And we, we worry and we fret. And, and Jesus comes to us in this world, in this life of fears. And maybe you have some other ones that are right in your mind or right there in your heart. And he speaks to you. And I, I know you've heard these words before. Pastors have preached on them and taught on them. You hear these, and sometimes these words just bounce off as a good message, and it has meaning and value. But I'd like for you today to not hear my voice, but in here, instead hear your shepherd, Jesus Christ, speaking to you these bold words. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Jesus is speaking to you as his little flock, and he means it. These things that, that possess us and paralyze us and, and take away the joys that are right in front of us, Jesus says, don't be afraid. And it's the perfect image he gives of a little flock and a committed shepherd because as he leads us to, to pastures and streams to provide for us and care for us, he's watching and we're the ones, the, the, the trepidatious sheep that look around, well, what if I put my head down to eat? Will a wolf come and take me, blindside me, and then I'm gone? No. The good shepherd is watching over you. And unlike all the other promises you get from politicians or, or people that come in and, and will make your home safe, this is Jesus who happens to be God speaking. He has the capacity, the power, and the heart to fulfill these words to you, his little flock. And so he's speaking to your heart and says, don't be afraid, I'm taking that away from you. That's something you don't have to bear. When I'm on duty as your good shepherd, and I'll show you my heart, I'm willing to lay down my life for you, and not just willing, I actually did it. Now you know where my heart's at, and now I say to you, don't worry, little flock. And then God the Father comes and gives us another promise that just builds on that. So we can live fearlessly knowing that he's got us. He's got our back. He's got our, our, our front. He, he's, he's got all around us. He's got our future. And that's where God the Father addresses, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. This is what our Father has done for us. We have this relationship with God, and our Father is actually pleased to give us, not, not something that we earn by a life of service, that he is simply giving it as a gift to us. You have been given the kingdom. Now, I, I just want to focus just for a moment, first on his attitude. God is pleased and determined to do this. Why? To give us everything that he has planned for us, to give us the perfection that is unearned or undeserved, he is pleased to do it. And let's just take a moment talking, now God gives that to us, and, and it's well received. Thank you, God, right? But let's take a moment to talk about what we give, give to him. What, what is it that we, we give to him? What do we give to God that in any way would move his heart that he'd be pleased with us? What, what does our life consist of? We come here every week confessing, but, but take this personally. What does God see? What, what are God's expectations and, and how do we deliver? Are we delivering? What, what does God see? He sees selfishness. He sees motivations that are just for a moment. He sees relationships that are strained. He sees priorities that are out of whack. He sees people that, that, that take for themselves and rather than give freely. 
He sees people that, 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 that follow the way of the world and they, they follow the courting that the world gives and, and he sees these things. He sees betrayal. He sees hatred. He sees hurt. He sees these things and he knows that, that they come from our hearts. That there are actions. And what is God the Father still determined to give? The kingdom. Everything that he has, he wants to give to you. And, and he's made great changes He's taken all that we give into himself. He punished it in place of us uh, uh, into himself. And then he changes everything from the inside out, from our heart out. Our actions and our attitudes change because of what the Holy Spirit has put in us. We have Jesus residing in our hearts, not just walking over, watching over us, but actually living in us as our Savior. And now we, through Jesus, have a Father that is pleased to give us the kingdom. And maybe the way that we can understand this is on a timeline. We have what Jesus did way back here, that he lived and died in our place. He rose again, guaranteeing the victory, that death has no say. And here we are in our life, right here, and we're living it. For the moments we're given here and the years that we eke out as an existence, then you have the Father that's given the kingdom over here. So we're living until the kingdom is ours, but it's ours right now. That's an attitude that we can take. And as we live this life, we have no fears because we know how it ends. Challenges will come and temptations are there. And, and Jesus will talk a little bit about that. But for you and for me, there's no fear. The kingdom is yours. And we can live with that knowledge. This isn't just an end-of-life scenario. This is something that you have right now. Your Father's been pleased to give you the end as you live now. Well, well how does this play out? It, it's kind of confusing, right? Jesus gives us bold words. They sink in first. Be fearless but now he also says, be focused. Here's how he continues. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So now we're supposed to go and sell it all? <laughs> we're supposed to go back and sell all our possessions and just give to people that don't have as... Is that what Jesus is mandating us to do? That, that'd be a pretty difficult thing, right? In your mind, now you're thinking, I'd have to sell that? I, I, I'd have to give this away? There was a man who uh, was, it was a Christian, American Christian, went to visit a fellow Christian in a third world country. And as he went to visit him, it was good to catch up on old times. And, and as the evening progressed and they were out to eat and they were talking and talking, they went back to the man's modest apartment. And the man was just talking about, not talking about anything that's going on later in the evening. And as the guest was looking around, he noticed that the accommodations in the apartment were this. There was a table, there was a chair, there was a single bed, a lamp, and a stack of books. And he's looking, wondering, how am I going to stay here? And he said, finally, as he's wondering, what is this, he's not ready to host me, he said, what about tonight's accommodations? Where am I going to stay? And his friend said to him, well, didn't you bring along the things that you need? And the American said, well, I'm, I'm just traveling through. I didn't bring that kind of stuff along. To which his friend said, I'm just a traveler too. Do you get the point there? He didn't have these things because he didn't need these things, these possessions that we have that give us permanence in this place. That's not why we're living for permanence in this place. We're, we're travelers 
moving through. And Jesus isn't saying literally go sell everything and give it to the poor. He's saying don't let your possessions be the thing that you focus on because you're a traveler traveling through. The kingdom is yours. And then he gets really to the heart of it. He says the things you try to value, try to keep it in your purse. Don't spend your time trying to get the purse that's going to hold on to these things. Instead, focus on the treasures of heaven. And then he gets to the focus where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. What you're focusing on, your heart follows. That's a challenge to your Christians. Where your, your treasure is, the thing you're focusing on, that's where your heart follows. And then we have to ask ourselves, where is my heart? Where am I focusing? And Jesus says, focus on the treasure that lasts. And he gives us a, a way to do it too. He gives us a wonderful illustration here in his word. He says, Be dressed and ready for service. Keep your lamps burning like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth. He will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Jesus gives this illustration of be ready and waiting. And what he's really telling us here is stay focused on the things that I have given you to do because your heart will stay focused on the things that I've given you to do. Do you understand that? Do it, and then you'll focus on it. Jesus says, as I come to return, be ready and waiting. And the waiting that he's prescribing here is not like you waiting for a doctor in the doctor's office, and you know it's a busy afternoon, you have no idea how long. It's, it's renowned in this doctor's office that you're going to sit there for a while and so you're listening to elevator music with your leg over your knee and you're looking at an old McCall's magazine or a Field and Stream magazine from 1994 you're looking at your watch wondering when your name is going to be called and then finally you're there waiting so when they call you you can go in and the doctor can give you what you need this isn't the kind of be ready and waiting that Jesus is talking about passively sitting, looking at our watch, wondering, when is he going to come? When am I going to be beckoned in? No. Jesus has made us servants and says, be active, ready, and waiting. And the illustration here is that the servants continue to work even if the master comes at a late hour. What is a servant required to do? The work that they've been given to do, not to sit and to sleep and to wait and think, well, the master's coming every way, I got this. The master kind of likes me, so I got this, and be caught sleeping on the job. No. He says, be ready and waiting, and then when the master comes, the master will rejoice in those waiting for him. You find yourself motivated? It's kind of hard to do this. How does this translate? I can't go to each one of you and say, it looks like this in your life. Yeah, prioritize this and this, but you make sure you do this and this, and everything's going to be perfect. The Holy Spirit's going to work in your heart and give you, give you opportunities. He's going to give you specific talents. He's going to give you things that you can focus on. But he's also going to say, make sure you take your talents and your gifts and focus on the work that I've given you to do. 
I'll give you an example personally. Right now, contemplating a call between two places. Where do you serve in the kingdom? That's right on my plate. And people here are saying, you know, you can't leave yet because we've got this big building we're building here. It'd be a weird time to leave. And I'd say, sure, yeah, it's a big building and it's going to be awesome and, and we can worship Jesus there, which is great and it's going to be a place that we can expand. Perfect. But the church just isn't in the business of building buildings. This is a tool, right? That God is going to use. His word and his sacraments can be there. But the work of the church has to deal with souls and people and kingdom building and growth and inviting people in and using relationships and using finances and using talents and overcoming fears to go and make inroads into lives and do things that is awkward and clunky, not like the world would have you do, not to pursue the things that say, I've had a successful life, look at my cash, look at my house. Instead, I've had a successful life, look at what I've been able to do serving Jesus until he returns. And sometimes God gives direct blessings that you can see and sometimes you just plant a seed that someone else gets to water and someone else gets to harvest and see it grow. But God says to do the work. Then when he returns, you're going to see a master smile. And you could look right over this section here, but I, I just want to pause for a moment and look at what Jesus says. He says, It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes because this is what happens. He says, then the master will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. Do you see the turn of events there? We are just exhausting ourselves as servants of the Lord. He deserves our time. He deserves our treasures. He deserves our focus. We're doing nothing more than he asks. And then at the end, what does God do when he sees you ready and waiting for him? He says, I'm going to go and put on the servant's clothes and allow you to recline at the table and I'm going to come and serve you. Can you even fathom that? That God says, now you get to sit at the table and I'll prepare the feast for you. Then the party begins in a perfect way and it's a party that will go on forever and forever. However you visualize that, bodies glorified, heaven is going to be a place where relationships are perfect and they don't come to an end. All the things we cling to here, the, the, the negative things that they often bring, that relationships end, that things grow old, that, that things bust and break, all these things we get to leave behind as, as then God says, you get to recline and I'll wait on you and he can't wait to do it. He can't wait to use all his power and all his might to bring all things together like he originally created it and saying, you get to be the crown of my creation again. Everything that I have done has been for you. That's what Jesus says is going to happen, but not yet. He says, work knowing this is the end. And a beautiful thing that happens as we are servants serving the king is, is hopefully we have a little bit of a heartbeat and our lungs are puffing a little bit. We have a little condensation in our forehead because we're doing the Lord's work. We're staying busy. Then you're focused at the right things. Then, then you're focused. Your heart will follow these things that you do in the kingdom and you don't have to worry. As you're doing the work of the Lord, you see how your heart follows your actions and your attitudes and your hands and your eyes, and then you don't have to worry if, if he shows up at the third watch of the night. Who cares? You're doing the work of the Lord. Your heart is focused, and you don't lose focus. You don't push him away. So the, the blessing is when you're doing the work of the Lord, your heart's in the right place. You're focused. 
So, these words are a big deal. Jesus recorded these and preserved them by the Holy Spirit so that we would make changes in our life if these words don't describe us. And we don't do it alone. We do it because the Holy Spirit is working in our hearts. We do it because we know that we have a good shepherd, Jesus, who already took away the consequence of sin, who took away the fear of death, and he says, do not be afraid. That's, that's how we live. We can live life never fearing anything because Jesus is in control. And we can live life not just with the attitude that, that I know how it ends and so I'll cling to it when my life is coming to an end. No, no. No, we get to cling to that truth right now and live our life knowing that the end is always going to be there and nothing can change it. So now I ask the Holy Spirit to work in you. Whatever changes need to come, may the Holy Spirit work in your hearts because you've heard Jesus' words, right? He spoke them, you heard them, and now he gives, in complete confidence, he gives you a life to live. And you never live it alone. Jesus is watching. The Father is making sure nothing gets in the way of his promise. And so we go and live. We live fearless, and we live focused. May God bless it. Amen.